0: My friends in Cape Town always tell me how bad the weather is in Cape Town, and I don't know what they're talking about. It's a beautiful sunny day here in Stellenbosch. Asara is obviously the home of craft gin in in the region with over 500 different gins, I think, at the Zanzibar. And with me is one of the pioneers of the craft gin movement here in South Africa, Simon von Witt. Welcome to the show, Simon. Thanks, um, Olga. Simon, you were one of the original brands with Woodstock Gin, wasn't it?
1: Yes, we were actually the third. We are the third oldest craft gin distillery in South Africa. Okay. So, um, yeah. Um,
0: it makes you a pioneer. <laughs> yeah,
1: definitely, I would say, <laughs> <I'd> say so. <laughs>
0: so, who was there before you?
1: Uh, Inverosh and Jürgensen, uh, okay. and and Hopkins started shortly afterwards.
0: Okay. So, yeah. yeah. Roger was obviously... The one, first, the, the real pioneer. Yeah, the real <laughs> <Yeah>. pioneer, and <laughs> yeah. I, I remember visiting him on, on his little farm outside Wellington, and what impressed me the most was his bitters. He made some bitters for me and poured me a rock shandy, and I just couldn't believe how nice this thing could be.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you tried his <laughs> it's also pretty No, I didn't like <laughs> that.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, So, yeah. Simon, tell us, how I, I remember going into Woodstock that arcade what was that called? Salt Circle Arcade Salt Circle Arcade and tasting something chocolatey it it tasted like heaven (laughs) can you remember that?
1: (laughs) yes clearly uh, that's where it all actually started it started um, we before I was making Jen I was making liqueurs I spent um, a few years travelling around Europe and ended up teaching English in Italy and Spain, and I just loved the culture where they did the meal never ended with a the dessert. It, there was always something afterwards, a digestive a grappa, or a limoncello, or some sort of liqueur, and it just kept on going late into the night. And I thought this is fantastic. I'm going to bring that back to South Africa. So. I got a lot of recipes from friends over there and when I came back to Cape Town, I started playing around with them and found that we couldn't actually make it using cane spirit or anything from the supermarket in South Africa. Over there you could buy alcohol at 90%. Over here obviously there's a bit of an issue with buying high-percentage spirits and um, maximum was 43%. So did a bit more research and I found Roger youngson and He was offering courses at his distillery, and I went out there and did a course and ended up buying one of a little 30-litre still. And that's where it all started. We started making our own alcohol. Got a license and started making liqueurs and uh, going to markets on the weekend, going to good food and wine shows and um, sort of paying for itself. It's just a hobby weekend type of thing.
0: And at the same time, um, I met... Warren with his Dragon Ginger Beer, and you you were sharing.
1: Yes, yes, we sh- we initially shared premises out in Atlantis, and then we moved to Salt there. Okay. Yeah,
0: and were you marketing it together at the markets, or was it completely separate?
1: No, we had separate stands, but we'd often go to the same markets. Yeah.
0: Okay. And that's that's a long, long time ago. What sort of give us an idea when
1: we're talking about two thousand and nine, two thousand and ten? That was long good ago, ten years ago, it was oh. <laughs> ages ago. Yeah,
0: that yeah. was long before everybody woke up to the word craft and
1: yeah, absolutely. I mean, there was Jack Black had just started out at that stage in two thousand and seven, two thousand and eight, and craft yeah. beer was just picking up. So yeah, craft yeah. was.
0: But, uh, but yeah, and I mean, I was—I remember looking for new ideas, and I came across Roger's website and his his beautiful packaging. And it, for me, it—it's it kind of cho- a vodka in a beautiful bottle like that. And he had a gin, and he phoned me once. He was looking for sugarcane juice and he wanted to obviously make a rum agricole and I didn't even know what he was talking about <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that's a long time ago now yeah. we know a lot more don't uh, we absolutely yeah.
1: <laughs> no Roger was definitely one of the pioneers I think he was doing it long before everyone else woke up to the whole movement but yeah. he probably put craft on the map initially although he was such so I think he was just a little bit too small scale he didn't do enough marketing really to yeah. get known yeah
0: and and I guess we all got different strengths. His strength is developing recipes and, and really tinkering and making the stuff, mm. develop you know, and uh, then you get the marketers who who yes. change the world
1: for sure. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. So you were making those uh, those liqueurs, and then how did you get onto gin?
1: Gin actually, it all happened by chance. I mean, I was. at Doing the liqueurs, I was at market, and then someone gave me a bottle of Inverash to try, and I was was blown away. I (laughs) I thought this is fantastic. I'm going to start making a gin, and I. Before that, I never really even liked gin. I thought it was in Gordon's sweeps and a bit of a slice of lemon. But when I tried the Inveros gin, I thought there's so much more to it, and thought re- we could really do something with gin. And we started playing around with the base spirits that we were using, which was a grape base, and we often used leftover beer as well as sort of malt base and experimenting with gin. And then suddenly, it just took off, and I was, yeah,
0: and it, started, it, selling.
1: That, that it started selling. Started selling locally in Cape Town and then I was contacted by people up in Joburg and we got it up there and within a few months it was pretty much national. Yeah, so um, we started um, selling it at markets, I think we did the cheese festival, good food and wine show and it was so popular that we decided to get into a couple of stores as well and once people started hearing about it, it it just took off
0: who was the first bottle store that you no, it was at. actually
1: Tony then we took it out to Marnie running liquors and it was doing really well there um, and yeah then from there we took it out to quite a few more liquor cities and it took off there as well um, and a couple of tops at Spa and then we got to one up in Joburg to distribute it for us
0: can you remember that who was,
1: that was Yeah, uh, Nicholson Smith Okay. yeah and they got it into quite a few stores and then we got contacted by Ultra and uh, they came down and tasted it and they liked the product and we got into Ultra nationwide so yeah, it took off from there. Yeah,
0: it's not and that I left easy my now. day job. <laughs> and then you left your day job. <laughs> yeah. Okay.
1: And then pretty much the rest is history and we moved from the tiny little premises little hole in the wall basically in Salt Arcade across the road next to the biscuit mill And um, yeah, it just kept on growing, got into pick and pay eventually and that's where we got to the point where we actually had to take on someone because we were growing too fast and we couldn't keep up with the small-scale distribution that we were doing and we got a partner on board and that's to help grow the business.
0: Okay, now that could be a good thing or it could be a bad thing?
1: Yes, good and bad. uh, the partner helped uh, in many ways. Um it was a distribution company, it was Edward Snow company and okay. um they taught us many lessons and helped grow the business to where it is today. But at the same time they were corporate and we were craft and had different visions and um ultimately that caused the separation now.
0: Yeah. Okay, so yeah. it didn't in didn't the long term really work it out didn't yet. work out so have, they've just taken it over and they make it now and...
1: Yeah, now they they make it uh, commercially and mass produce it. They don't do um, any production on site anymore and they just use it, the actual shop as a tasting room. Oh, they still got that shop? The little tasting room, in yeah. In Salt Rock? Yeah, Ach, in Salt, Salt, Salt S- t- uh, It's next to the biscuit mall.
0: Ah, okay. Yeah. So on a Saturday, is it still part of that whole scene?
1: Yes, yes, yes. On a Saturday it's very busy. Okay. Yeah.
0: Okay, so what what lessons did you learn from the big boys?
1: Well, I learnt um, <laughs> quite a few lessons about uh, actual production and consistency okay. and uh, and spirit quality, um, packaging. Yeah, quite a few uh, good lessons. Um,
0: and in terms of the sales, or weren't you really involved in that?
1: Oh, I wasn't really directly involved in the sales. I got the sales reports at the end of the month, but um yeah, that's yeah.
0: Um, and have you got any idea of the volumes that they do now?
1: No, I couldn't say offhand, but uh, when I left end of last year, I was guessing it was about three thousand bottles a month or so okay yeah
0: so it's not not it's not insignificant, but it's not not a massive business
1: no, not huge business now
0: yeah okay and uh, yeah i mean partnering with a corporate is can't be easy for for a craft man.
1: no yeah it was it was difficult i mean i i left the corporate uh, sector and went into craft and then ended up going back into the corporate so it was it was difficult so um but at the same time i learned as I say I learned a lot of valuable yeah. lessons and um I don't regret it um Helped me grow, and I'll um, use those lessons going forward.
0: Yeah, so I mean, we've t- we've just seen that um, Inverosha has been They're acquired, or uh, Puerto got invested in that business. Um, what do you think will happen there, or is that a naughty question?
1: I think pretty much the same. <laughs> it's <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah, okay. but Inverosha... Um, on a much bigger scale than yeah. we ever were. Yeah, they started well off with a thousand liters uh, still and they're very well established in nineteen different countries, as far as I know. Yeah, so, so
0: it is. It is on a different scale. Completely different scale. Yeah. I and think Lorna,
1: yeah, might start up something else now. I don't. I'm not too sure. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. And what are you up to now?
1: Oh, we started. a uh, a new brand or actually a few new brands okay. sort of
0: back to the same old liquor don't you learn <laughs> <laughs>
1: we have as I said we have learned many lessons <laughs> but not with enough. Woodstock we, <laughs> we, call, we put everything more. under one roof and <laughs> now we've separated our brands so we've done a completely different non-alcoholic brand to our alcoholic brands and we've um, diversified as well we're doing spice sachets which is a really nice garnishing for drinks um, we're doing non-alcoholic gin and tonic. We're going to start doing a non-alcoholic mojito. We're doing um, tonic as well. We're doing a range of gins, uh, three gins and a, a vodka and a rum as well. Mm.
0: So the, the second time round could be easier, but it, I mean the market has is, is changed so much that it could be much more difficult.
1: Yeah, yeah you're right. Yeah, I'm uh, Finding the market very saturated at the, mo- at the moment and very difficult to get into or get back into at least. Um, so we're looking at... Trying to establish something in the Western Cape and hopefully KZN and Gauteng, even on a much smaller scale, and then get into the export market. So I'm going to the food and hotel expo in China at the end of the year, and hopefully can get something going there as well. Yeah.
0: My friends in China's told me that gin is not big in in, in China.
1: Well, <laughs> I'll have to find a hot one up there. I, <laughs> yeah. I know it's it's quite big in Singapore and Hong Kong at the moment. Yeah,
0: yeah different markets in the Chinese. Tell me that they they're starting to drink wine. Obviously, mm-hmm. beer is very big, but gin and whiskey are not big. Interesting.
1: Yeah, probably all drinking their baiju <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, and it was my friends yeah. from Sha- Changsha Bai uh, one of the I think top ten baiju producers in in, in China. Oh, really? Yeah, oh. they came over to South Africa a while ago. They're exploring the South African market. Mm.
1: Uh, interesting. No? Well, yeah. I'll, I'll have to find out when I'm there. Yeah, see what happens. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, no, we're also looking to establish ourselves in um, some of the islands, um, Seychelles, Mauritius. um
0: we got okay. contact
1: there, was it? Yes, we used the sort of Indian Ocean's group uh, before with uh, Woodstock Gin, and I've spoken to Mandy, and she's quite keen to get it going again. So I. Obviously, small volumes we're dealing with, but nevertheless, it does move quite fast there. Um, then um, I think there's quite a big market uh, for those little 50ml uh, bottles that's uh, untapped at the moment, um, where we're looking to getting those into hotel groups, uh, game reserves. And okay. And
0: I also I like know, those good. miniatures because uh, people get to to try a lot more different gins.
1: Absolutely, it's a nice little souvenir. You can do yeah. build up a big collection, and yeah.
0: And you don't have to pay four card three four hundred rand every time.
1: Exactly. No. Yeah. Easy to slip in your pocket. You don't have to put, even put it in your suitcase <laughs> when you're going when you're flying. Yeah.
0: Yeah. What has the response been now that you're back in the business?
1: Uh, it's been mixed. I, mean, I suppose. I'm <laughs> Not going to lie, it's, uh, it's been quite tough. I mean, people say, oh, we've got so many gins on our shelves. Uh, but um our price point is very competitive so people are saying they will look at it and they will give it a chance so yeah I you know, said it's been a very tough winter for gin across South Africa hardly anything has been selling actually and um, if you come in at the right price point then you've got a chance so yeah. that's what we we're doing now okay. going to take a bit of a knock initially but we'll just want to get it onto the shelves
0: and the product that you're making you distilling it yourself
1: it's, yes everything it's we do it's a uh, real craft us, product yeah. uh, everything's made on site so if you come to our distillery you can actually see the whole process in action
0: well we i look forward to tasting it we're here as i said at uh, Sora and uh, terry who was a judge at uh, the the first south the, african the craft
1: awards yes, yes.
0: A- awards is is here and the barman here so let's let's go and get some feedback from him.
1: Okay, fantastic. Looking forward to it. Yeah.
0: Simon, it was really nice to meet you. We've we've been chatting on email for for many, many years and on on social media. And I don't think you're that active on social media but not so active. uh, (laughs) That's not my strong point. But uh, it's it's always amazing when you meet somebody that uh, that you've known for such a long time, you meet them in person and Mm. you I mean, yeah, it's, it's great <laughs> to meet you finally. And uh, tell us a little bit about the brand.
1: Our new brands?
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I. the to names to, at least. Yeah, the, the names. Okay, well, We've got two from? brands,
1: the James Benson, which is my middle name and my wife's name combined. That's our non-alcoholic range. So as I said, we're doing um, the non-alcoholic gin and tonic. We've done a, uh, the rose version, which has got rose geranium. It's got juniper berries and it's all naturally distilled. So it's a dry dish sedation just using water and the, the botanicals um, and we've got the tonic which has got a zero added sugar in it and it's got a bit of lemongrass and uh, cardamom and natural quinine then we have our five pence brand, uh, range which is um, the name it's got a bit of a story behind it <laughs> so again my wife always wants to call our son Spencer but we never ever had a son in the end. so I said <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll find something that we could call the Spencer or close to Spencer so it became five and uh, pence afterwards <laughs> and there's a link between South Africa and the UK with the gin and yeah. the, the coin, the British coin so we thought it was quite a nice name. So yeah, that's, that's uh, quite nice. Five yeah, pence. Yeah. So the
0: number five and pence.
1: Five and pence, yeah. And how
0: much does it cost? Five pence. It doesn't cost five
1: <laughs> pence. So about <laughs> 300 rand. Although the rand might end up being about five pence. Five pence in the near future. Yeah, yeah, we'll, and, we'll see what happens.
0: And on social media, where can people find you?
1: Uh, we are on Instagram and at uh, Distillers Union and also five pence and, and Facebook. Okay. We, at Five Pence and also at Distiller's Union as well.
0: Okay, and tell us a little bit about the other product that you've made all along. That little tea bag, uh, I'll call it.
1: Uh, this. No, we've rebranded that. We've called it Spicebergs. 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 That's actually a, a bit of a CSI project we're doing. It's a community upliftment. Okay. Um, where we employing or giving it. Uh, ladies and disadvantaged communities to actually make these little sachets for us and um, we used to do it in-house now we've branched out and we've got little pods in different communities one in Somerset West and we're looking at building another one out in Hribau and other areas um, where they, they make the sachets they've got cardamom, star anise, cinnamon, juniper and hibiscus um, and they uh, Basically, they add colour, a little bit of pink colour to the gins, and they just keep on adding flavour. You can use each one about three times, and they're really fantastic, actually. Um, They've taken off quite nicely. Um, We, you can use them for any white spirit, and we've we've tested them in in tea, actually. (laughs) It even Mm. works in just hot water. And if you want to make it almost like a glue vine, you can add a shot of gin to it. So it's got multiple uses, Um, and it's a really nice little project, and also nice. Sort of side um, benefit to the the community as well.
0: Okay, so just explain it. It looks like a triangular little tea bag. Yes, and, and inside this tea bag, am I allowed to call it a tea bag?
1: You can call it a tea bag. It's although it's it's a spice out, a bit bag more than a tea bag. It's a it's a silky spice sachet. A silky
0: spice sachet, and that you drop into your into your gin and tonic, your long drink, and as you said, any any drink, and then. Afterwards, you take it out and then you can use it again.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, okay. You can keep it in for a few minutes and just adds a little bit of flavor and color. Or you can keep it in for 20 minutes and it adds a lot more flavor. And you, Even if you've got an old bottle of gin that you don't really like, you can drop it in there for a few hours and it keeps adding flavor and color to it. So it's got multiple uses. Okay. Um,
0: so I'll tell you what I used to do when... when What's the, the harbour guy? What's his name? New Harbour. New Harbour, when uh, they launched Nick. Their, when Nick launched his distillery, he had this uh, crowdfunding thing. And I, I bought a bottle of gin online uh, on on his crowdfunding thing. And we received this bottle, and my wife loved it. It was a rooibos thing. First time we'd ever seen a rooibos gin, I think. And I said, I can make that. And I put a bottle of gin in a, in a coffee percolator, put a few rooibos tea bags in the coffee side and then percolated the, the gin <laughs> through that <there laughs> and sorry. made a made a rooibos gin um, <laughs> but she wouldn't drink it <laughs> she refused to drink it <laughs> I think next time I'll just drop your little try one of the uh, spice sachets spice <laughs> sachets <laughs> I'm sure it'll work <laughs> <laughs> there you go lots of clever things from from a clever inventor Simon thanks for joining us today no problem and Pleasure, we wish you good luck and um, guys look out for just give us the, the
1: James Benson, Five Pence, and the Spicebergs and, and, and Distillers Union, obviously, just distil- where everything's made. Yeah. Okay.
0: There you go. Thanks for joining us and uh, let's go and taste some gin.
1: Pleasure. Thanks, Olga. Thank let's do it.
0: Thank you for joining us on this podcast. Simon really is a pioneer in the craft gin industry and. Yeah, lots of interesting lessons there. The best way to listen to our podcasts is not on your desktop. Please sign up on your Android phone or on your iPhone. It makes it so much easier. This podcast was brought to you by DrinksBuzz, a powerful network for business owners and professionals in the beverage industry. Check it out at www.drinksbuzz.co.za. Until next time.